We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 497. We're brought to you today by Indeed and Bet Online. You'll hear more about those in a little bit. Sorry for the couple-day delay. Uh, normally, we try and publish on a Monday. Today is Wednesday. Scott, you're still in Boston. Kemp is is doing well. I know people, I myself have been loving those social media updates, and uh, it, it definitely melts my heart when I see Bevan's updates uh and and my mom is constantly texting about about the updates as well so <laughs> so well done on those social media updates. yeah it's the easiest way to update you know more people that that are interested uh in, in him he's got man he's got just so many people behind him it's been really great so uh just just to start really appreciate everybody reaching out there's been a number of people who have reached out um some people who have sent i, I gotta shout out my guy uh carlos who not only gave Kemp his first Yankees jersey at spring training, you remember 
uh, yeah. we were down there and um, he's he's part of BP crew. He's been to a number of games. We uh, I remember the the one time we got to know each other really well. Um, him and his son. We went to uh, the Bronx Brewery and then walked to the stadium. The we 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 walked there and then. Uh, I'm sorry, we took the train there and then ended up at the, outside the stadium. It was that one day where it was like a 45 minute wait to get in, if you remember. It was like a really long line, kind of like out of nowhere. And so we were we were hanging out outside, just just shooting the shooting the shit for a while, um, waiting to get into the stadium. So we got to know each other pretty well. And uh, day one, Kemp's in there after his calf, and uh, a balloon and a uh, stuffed elephant comes, and and it's <laughs> uh, it's from uh, from Carlos and his son Jake. So. Really cool, man. Just, just everybody's been been outstanding. Really, really nice. Uh, my my company that I'm working for, Blue Wire, has been fantastic. Just really good to, uh, um, with flexibility and you know, sending me a whole bunch of, of food cards and just just really cool stuff. Everybody's been really cool and and really uh, on Team Kemp, which you know makes me just super happy. It's really cool. Um, so Kemp's doing well. Kemp is uh, post op now from Thursday. This is the the like unbelievable healing power of children and modern medicine and and the this is why I have a complicated relationship with the city of Boston because the doctors up here and the nurses and the whole medical staff are just fantastic, they're best best in the world. So uh, Thursday surgery and he is pretty much shedded all of the the gear that he's had as far as wires and tubes and all of these things that make it super uncomfortable. All his numbers are in a really good place. We're out of the ICU in the step down wing, which is the, the place you got to go before you leave. Um, and yeah, we're just kind of checking some boxes now at this point, getting him to a comfort level, making sure he's eating and drinking and all these things uh, before we get some walking papers. So <laughs> this dude is, is um, he's, he's you know, now that he's shedded everything, he's ready to really move around and start start acting like a three-year-old again. And uh, it's just amazing when you see, when you think about that he had heart surgery a week, less than a week ago, and 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 to where he is today, even two days ago, to see the difference is is pretty is pretty outstanding. So, yeah. Um, again, thanks for everybody reaching out. Uh, it's been you guys have all been uh, been really good. It, it it certainly helps you know going through this whole deal and 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 uh, to know that everybody's behind camp. So appreciate it. Yeah, it, it, it's probably a situation where being three years old is is like the only way you get through that. Just so strong and stoic. And, and oh, just, dude. If I had chest like tubes, like the way he's doing it. If yeah. I had chest chest tubes, and like he did, about I'd be it crying like a little bitch. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be complaining every second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bevan's life would be way more miserable if it was me. And not him. <laughs> I can guarantee that. There's, there's a uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. These kids, man, they're so resilient. When you look around too in the hospital, just there's a bunch of kids, you know, that have whatever, the, whatever the issues are. They, they, they're, they're wide ranging and. um they just power through it because that's all they know what to do. They just they just know they get they just power through it, and uh, they're amazing kids. So it's been cool, D- different different uh, a little different this time just because he's older. So it's been you know you see the reactions on the faces and you you know him. Uh, so it's different than when we were up here the first time in 2017 when he was just born. We didn't know what we were doing at all. We had a we now we have a little bit of a an understanding of what the situation is, and obviously we know him and he knows he knows us, and you know so it makes things a little bit different, but. Um, yeah, I can tell you that I'm ready to go. <laughs> That's for sure. Ready to leave? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's it's been uh it's it's been long days, no doubt, long days. So, yeah, appreciate the it's patience been, on. You've been there a week and a half, but it probably feels like It feels like months. You yeah. add that to like corona and like all the nonsense that's just been happening on this year. It's like this year has as I swear to god taken 10 years off of my life. <laughs> it's just been insane. I looked it's, in the mirror. I looked in the mirror the other day and I saw 
way more gray hairs than I have ever seen. In my, I'm like, there's no way that those were not there when I got here. They were not there. It's the lighting, I swear. Oh my God. I mean, I could, I can just, I can fool myself and just say they're blonde, but they're not. They're not blonde. No. They were one time. Yeah, they were one time. I'm just going <laughs> to cut them off again. That's what I do. That's what's happening. Like as you get, I'm just like cutting it shorter. Shorter and shorter. It's like you just bick, <laughs> bick the head. Yeah. So yeah, you, you were saying the time's just dragging by. Somehow it's still 2020. It's still 2020 for for Major League Baseball and these players, which it, it's seeming like it's shaping up to be a terrible offseason if you're a free agent player this year. Uh, bad timing all around. And especially for LeMahieu, he, he denied the qualifying offer shortly after we last published our episode. It, it, there was no surprise there. It wasn't even worth getting back on and talking about it because... We were 99.9% sure he was going to deny that offer yeah, anyway. For sure. Um, but for LeMahieu, especially, you know, particularly LeMahieu, who, who is, this is his last chance to get a real contract. He's just put up two, uh, two career years in the biggest, on the biggest, in the biggest market on a team that's gone deep in the playoffs. Um, and he's just not going to get paid what he's worth because of it, because of this situation. So from that standpoint, it's just horrible timing. Sucks for if you're DJ LeMahieu. Well, and then for other guys, like Stroman accepted the qualifying offer. So Stroman's weighing his options, saying, well, I didn't even play in 2020. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't have a good 2019, really. What's the point? Let right. me just I, take I mean, this. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a Cohen, I'm rich as, as balls. I'm just going to offer you the $18 million to secure a player. That's kind of like what that felt like to me, because so, he certainly so didn't deserve it. Strowman's going to take that nineteen million, which is more than he would have gotten on an annual value if he were to sign a contract, a multi-year contract. He, right did now, he, did he sign that after Robbie Ray signed that deal with? Um, Robbie Ray signed the contract right around the time that all these qualifying offers were sent out. I mean, that could have triggered some of these guys, but Strowman didn't. He sat out the entire pandemic season, and he. He, he Strowman is still young enough where if he has a big 2021, he can get a five-year contract. Yeah, so I don't. I think a lot of people don't trust. Himself. I think a lot of people don't trust his arm, his elbow. I, I just think he's he's such an injury risk at this point too, and and he just hasn't shown that he can pitch, you know, to the to the effectiveness that he did early in, in his career. So I don't know. It's a, it's a risk, and I think that's that's kind of like where the Mets are at this point. They have to take some risk, and they don't they don't care about the money as much. So. It's it's a fine deal for them, but it does set. I was surprised when you look at the money. I mean, the the situation makes sense because of, of Cohen, I think, and where they are. Uh, but like, go to Gosman. He's the other guy that that accepted right. the qualifying. Like, why why did he why did he get that qualifying offer? I, I don't quite understand that. Well, the Giants probably thought in a normal season, Gosman would not accept that qualifying offer in a normal off season. So the Giants are kind of, I guess, you could say they're stupid assuming he was going to get a bigger contract from someone or assuming that he was going to walk. And he's looking at it saying, I was lucky to get this for yeah. a multi-year deal. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to take this for a one-year deal. They that, were just trying to get a draft pick out of it. That's essentially because what the Giants are not looking. The Giants are not, well, yeah, slightly less, but it's, it's I, mean, he pitched, I, I pegged him at like a 13, 14, $15 million a year pitcher based on his performance last year. Yeah, it's just... It's not surprising that 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 Gosman took it. In my opinion, it's surprising for me that the uh, that the Giants offered it, and maybe that was the case. Maybe they were ex- expecting him not to accept it because of the because year that he had. Yeah, the Giants are not a playoff team. Oh, although, who, who knows? Everyone might be a playoff team now. Yeah. Well, in that division, they're probably not. And oh, yes, yeah, true. If they're expanding, yes, yes, you're right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, 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 they either 
really, really underestimated what this market was or overestimated it. I don't know what. Yeah, it would be overestimating. Underestimated the, the, the downside is really what I was mean, meaning. But it was, uh, I think it's a bad job on the Giants part, but that's fine. Right. Good. Because I, I, I didn't want him. So good. <laughs> Obviously, Trevor Bauer declined the option. I think he called it an insult. <laughs> DJ LeMayu t- declined it. He didn't say a word about it. Classy DJ LeMayu fashion. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I think maybe, do you think maybe after the, the winter meetings and stuff like that, which usually happens early December, um, we'll start to see some movement? Or is it going to be one of those off these off seasons where teams are just like, you know, we might not even be able to open up spring training in February. We might not be able to open up the season as normal. So we're going to wait and wait and wait and wait these guys out and bleed every dollar we possibly can out of them. I think when guys start accepting some of these lower deals and we might see some dominoes fall, but it's it doesn't seem like the um, the, the big money is going to be coming out anytime soon. And if it... So I, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch this this LeMahieu market. I mean, all, there's been so much talk in the in the media... Um, you know, Voight talking about it. A bunch of these guys are just talking about how how Lemayhu wants to be here and how much he he likes the uh, the team and and playing in New York and all these things. Great, I love hearing all that stuff. Sign the paperwork. Like, let's just get, yeah, get him signed. It really doesn't matter until the 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 name is on the dotted line. Yeah, but someone. The thing about DJ Lemayhu too is that he's not he's not the sexy big free agent that gets all the the, the you know the the huge dollars. He's not the Manny Machado. Uh, type i don't know how that guy is valued as much as, as as he was in the past to in today's game because of the home runs like it's it's all inflated and those guys are are there because of their power numbers because dj is every bit of the defender so it's he's me, in a he's in a weird spot because he's not the like flashy player but he's so incredibly valuable obviously he was a finalist for the mvp did not win it but you know, he's the guy that he's the glue of this team. He really Wait, is. Wait, did they announce MVP yet? Because it took them like f- seemingly forever. F- it was like four weeks of announcing finalists and announcing next round finalists and announcing, oh, so we're going to announce Cy Young AL tonight. We're going to announce NL Cy Young tomorrow. We're going to announce MVP for the National League. It's like, it took forever in classic baseball fashion. I know he didn't win it. Jose Abreu won the, the MVP. But but it's just I was making a joke that it took forever. They did. Well, they dragged um, it. Well, they they started doing it. <laughs> they started talking about it. It took uh, 2 weeks. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. But let me ask you this. If DJ LeMahieu signs with another team, are the fans going to be excited? Are what, they going to know of, of the, a lot of the about other DJ? team? So, I got uh a I got a a trade odds or excuse me, a free agent signing odds email from Bet Online, And it was, where will DJ LeMahieu sign next? So it didn't include the Yankees because if you sign with your existing team, you, you can't bet that. But the Blue Jays were the leading, had the best odds to sign him. I guess they're, for whatever reason, uh, the odds makers think that the Blue Jays are the team that are most likely to sign LeMahieu if the Yankees don't. If the Blue Jays sign DJ LeMahieu, are Blue Jays fans going to be excited? Are they going to be like, great, we got a solid player because you said he's not the kind of Manny Machado flash. No, where he's not. He's not sexy. Manny Machado. He's not Bryce then, Harper sexy in that. And then in that boom, regards. you immediately go and buy a Manny Machado jersey if you're a Padres fan, or you immediately yeah. go and buy a, a Bryce Harper jersey right. if you're a Phillies fan. Are you going out to buy a DJ LeMahieu jersey if you're a Blue Jays fan? I mean, Can- Canadians are, are the, the stereotype for Canadians are they're extremely nice, right? They're they they are nice people. They're 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 a nice. They are a nice people. If that, is that is that can I say that? Yeah, so I think maybe that's, that's correct. So maybe maybe they are. 
But no, the the point is, is that he's not that flashy guy who who, no. who brings people to the ballpark. He's not that type of that type of guy that mainstream is going to you know be excited he, about. He doesn't put asses in seats, but he's he not puts, a he's not he an puts ass W's in, in the win column. Yeah, damn right he does. I mean, I will go to watch DJ LeMahieu. You will go to watch DJ LeMahieu. A lot of people who are listening to the show will go to watch DJ LeMahieu. Yankees fans now. No, will, Yankees fans now. Of course. But if we if if the, if the Yankees signed, so I said I when we did our GM episode, Tommy Lastella is kind of like the left-handed DJ LeMahieu. It's a lot of the same characteristics as far as versatile defensively, doesn't strike out a lot, bad on ball, does a lot of things well. Maybe he's not as good as DJ LeMahieu, but if the Yankees signed. Tommy Lastella. No one's getting excited about that. You can't compare the two just because they're they're similar in type. I mean, LeMahieu just won a bat. He's put title up similar, well. but he's put up Lastella's put up similar stats. But but DJ LeMahieu just put up a batting title. Has hit has hit big uh, postseason uh, home runs. He's no, he's no, come up in clutch situations. You're, you're, missing, you're missing my point. But you're I'm saying those are national moments as well. He's he's been in the spotlight in national moments. Tommy Lastella. So are has, so has if DJ LeMahieu goes. Right. So if LeMahieu goes to sign on another team, Blue Jays, Red Sox, Mets, would the Mets fans be excited? I feel like maybe Mets fans would because they're closer to Yankees fans. Yeah. They've they've watched him from across the city. It's kind of like a Steve Cohen sticking it to At the, the end Yankees of the day, moment. the casual fan will will be like, "Okay, nice player, an addition. Let me let me research and find out who that guy is or what what he exactly did." I mean, that's very casual. If you're a, if you're an actual fan of the team, then then yeah, you should be damn excited because he just made your team that much better. I don't even want to have this conversation because he needs to be on on our team. He needs to be wearing pinstripes in the Bronx. That's the only that's the only acceptable uniform that this man should be wearing because the Yankees, especially in today's market, should never be outbid ever, 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 ever be outbid for DJ Lemayu. Like for well, real. That, like I th- like th- there's no contract out there that you can possibly uh, come to me and say, oh, yep, they shouldn't have gone uh, two million more, five million more. You can't. You can't do it. Right. I, I, not literal. Because when we're, yes, ta- because when we're talking about value, most valuable player, and I know the, the, the award has not become that. The award has become best stats, sexiest stat line of the year guy. Yeah, well, this year, Jose Abreu certainly deserved the award. Okay. I mean, sometimes they're the same. Sometimes they're the same guy, but when you look at value, at pure value of a team, it would be hard pressed to look at a guy beyond DJ LeMahieu and, and say that there's there there are other people more valuable to the way that the team plays, everything, the intangibles, just the whole package. The guy well, is, now that now that the way they're doing it, where they announce finalists, so they announce three finalists, and LeMahieu has finished in the finalists two years in a row. Yeah, I feel like they're using the final three things if you make it to the final three that's an acknowledgement of your value even though you might not win that's like the heisman award ceremony they're like you're 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 bringing these yeah. guys there we're acknowledging that you're of the ilk but maybe you yeah. didn't get the final nod right yeah that's so, that's okay and i, mean, I know what they used to do is they used to announce first place second place third place it's like oh D- Derek jeter never won mvp the mvp but he finished uh he he got so many like second place votes and third place votes and fourth place votes and, and now we don't really hear about that what we hear about is if you were a finalist and i think that's probably a good marketing move to be honest because it's giving people a little bit of hope too as the finalists are now like, well, it oh, drags like, it out even my longer. guys in I there mean, some yeah. people really care about awards yeah I, I don't care about it. But in the off season, it's something to cling on to. I think I think people do care about it. You know, you see the finalists that are announced. You're like, all right, my guy's got a chance. Let's go. Gets you gets you uh, gets you going a little bit, especially with a guy like DJ who's become a fan favorite. You know, everybody's behind him. Everybody knows that he deserves it. 
So but for Yankees fans, it always, the awards always piss them off because they always feel like they're getting slighted. They're saying DJ LeMahieu has been slighted. Miguel Andujar was slighted out of the rookie of the year. Well, yeah, once the finalists are announced, all the conversation becomes, where does the Yankee bias come in to make him lose? When was, uh, when did they do finalists for, like, how long have they been doing the finalists for? Do you know? No. This is a very recent thing, right? I don't remember exactly when the, uh, when that started, but. Yeah, no, because I think back to 2016. It's definitely a Gary's... social media thing because it oh, plays yeah. really well in social media. So you, with with the way that things are promoted today, getting that stuff out there, you can make some more cool graphics. You can make some sick edits. You can do all these these things that you can put on social that will get people well, excited. What you do is you get engagement. retweets. Instead of getting the retweets from one fan base, you get the retweets from three fan bases. Yeah, of course. So yeah, there's there's I think there's a lot of the engagement metrics that go into that as well, and so the dawn of social media and and the fact that, you know, there's a there's a like insanely good graphic designer in every single area. They're they're all trying to promote that and make sure that they can um, push some of the stuff out. So it's it's another way for the it's a good thing because it's another way for MLB to try to market some of their guys. So we shit on MLB all the time for not being able to market their stars. Well, here you go. Here's a table of of guys who are. At the finalists, they've gotten to the last step of being named MVP. Let's show you who they are. Let's tell you about them. Let's talk about them. Let's give you graphics with stats. Let's show highlights. Let's do all these things. Let's spotlight the best players. It's a good. It's a good thing to do. They should. They should add some wild cards into it. It's like so. Kevin Cash won Manager of the Year, and these things are voted on at the end of the regular season. Even though they're announced in the middle of November, they're they're voted on in the middle of, at the end of the regular season. So. It's ironic because the last thing we remember of Kevin Cash is pulling Blake Snell, possibly the worst pitching decision in World Series history to to take out Blake Snell in that situation. But he still won manager of the year because everyone voted before that. Wouldn't it be funny if it's like you you can change your vote? <laughs> you can change your vote after, say, the World Series ends. Or or maybe it's like you can only Trying to think of like what it would be good where it's like if you make a colossal mistake, like you get Kevin one mulligan, did, just a mulligan has got to be within a time frame. Yeah, or but but it's like it's got to be you can only change one of your votes, so you can't change your MVP vote and your manager of the year to vote be honest, and your rookie. If of the I year if vote. I were to vote even after the World Series, it still may go to him because you have to look yeah, at the body would, of work because the, the, you have to look at the I, body of work for the year, and that's at the end of the day, while it was a a, a bad uh, a bad move and it was. The implications were massive and the results were massive. It was still one decision. Yes, I know. But what if it could go the other way where there's an MVP candidate where say say uh, the Yankees advanced to the World Series this year and DJ LeMahieu hit 450 in the World Series and had you know the walk-off hit in game seven or something like that. That's what World Series MVPs are, are for. Yeah, I know, but it would be cool if the if if voters could be like, you know what, I was gonna, you know, I voted for Jose Abreu over DJ LeMahieu in the regular season, but seeing this happen, I'm gonna change my vote. I mean, because I, I see what you do. I know here. that regular season awards are separate from from. Well, now you're, now you're penalizing Jose Abreu for being on a bad team and not getting the opportunity. Well, he's to not DJ. a bad team; he's on a, a playoff a, team, a worse team than the the guy that you're talking about because they made it further. You know what? I'm just trying to spice I am all up the for awards DJ voting, and you're not letting me. If it's DJ LeMahieu we're talking about, and they change it to something positive, then yes, of course, do it. Give it. To do me. you think they should? I, I guess World Series MVP typically, obviously, it's kind of like postseason MVP because you're not going to vote for. 
a postseason MVP that doesn't go to the World Series. I was thinking like you could vote for a postseason MVP, but that's going to be on one of the World Series teams. I mean, in theory, you could have a losing World Series team have a player that outperforms everyone else over the course of the postseason. Yeah. And they just, you know, didn't do enough to have their team win, but yeah, they could get the award. That's a bittersweet award, but yes, that could certainly be, that could certainly be it. I don't agree with it because they weren't valuable enough, clearly. Well, that goes back to the whole valuable argument. It's yeah, like I guess. in the regular season, do you have to be on a playoff team or not? It would have had a, it would have to be a very big team effort on the other side. You know, and and like very spread out for that not to be uh given to a winning team. Yeah. A team member. Some other some other And, and that's rumors. tough to do in baseball. <clears throat> baseball it, it, you could actually argue you affect the game the least. If you're a pitcher, you that, that's why a I think single it's spread game, out. but it's spread out. But like in basketball, like you could lose but score eighty points a game, and sure, you're clearly the most valuable. Or football, you, if you're the quarterback on the losing team, you put up forty eight points, but your defense gives up forty nine points. It's like, well, you didn't really do anything wrong, right? Right. The Yankees have shown interest in Yadier Molina, and I don't know how much how how much this is actually serious, or if this is just a oh, let's throw the Yankees in here because it's the Yankees. Uh, did this surprise you at all? This report? Did it surprise you that Yadier Molina was a free agent? Because it like, kind of surprised me. Uh, he's thirty years old. It's, I thought he was like forty-five. Oh, yeah. The uh, he, he might be, might be. Might be. <laughs> um, it, 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 I don't think it surprises me. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't think it surprises me. I feel like this is a this is one of those moves I could see the Yankees making um, as a uh, as kind of a hedge. Well, what capacity would it be in though? Because Yadier Molina is a name. At this point, he's still a solid player, still solid defensively. He struck out 13.5% of the time in 2020, which is pretty low. So he could still probably be a starting catcher somewhere. Doesn't Yadier Molina, at age 38 years old, make sense to come over to the Yankees, though? Isn't this a very Yankee move? It is. Yeah. That's why it doesn't surprise me at all. Like, is Jose Molina still out there? Can he still get in the crouch position? Because... Let's bring him back. At the end of the day, when I when I see a guy that's that's still playing a defensive, you know, take away the name, take away the age. When I see a, a 13 and a half K rate and I see a, a good defensive player, it's behind the plate. You know what? It's really all I want from my catcher. I don't need all the <laughs> other flashy stuff. I just don't. I need a guy who can play defense, who knows who, who knows how to um, receive the ball well, who can manage a pitching staff, who can make your pitching staff better, if you will. And then don't get up there and be a waste of an at bat. Well, but you, I will take that over be? the every over the the home run one every out of one every ninety five at bats. I feel like this move would be as much to benefit Gary Sanchez as it would be for the Yankees. To are we still playing that? Are we, are we really now bringing in a mentor for Gary Sanchez at this point? Is that is that going to work? Look, know, at the maybe. end of the day, Gary Sanchez has to be self-motivated now. There's no there's no more of this bullshit. No more coddling. No more going down and having dinner with him. N- none of this nonsense. No, the coddling doesn't work. Yadier Molina seems like a guy who's not going to coddle anybody. He's going to be a the tough move mentor. Of bringing, He's going to be a tough if, love mentor. But if you're bringing in a guy, if you're bringing in a guy with with the intention also to to be uh, the guy that can help your other catcher. It's I don't know. It's just if that's the motivation then I I'm if that's just a sidebar and, and we, we like the player anyway, then okay. And, and that's just like, that comes with it. But that can't be part of the decision-making at this point. I, I'm, I'm, I'm done coddling him. Like the guy's got to play or not. <laughs> well, it actually, the funny thing is, I know we've said this a hundred times, but 
supposedly Joe Girardi didn't coddle him, and that's one of the reasons why he couldn't relate to the young players, yeah. and one of the reasons why he was outed as man- ousted as manager. But Gary Sanchez played the best by far under Joe Girardi. Right. No. So I, maybe I, some tough love is what he needs. I think some discipline is what he needs. Discipline in 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 not, you know. Get, bend over my knee with a ruler discipline, but r- discipline in like your schedule. Is that, is that Joe Girardi style? <laughs> yeah, Girardi, Girardi's definitely that type. Or, you know, um, if you put your hand on the table, like I could see him coming by. My my great uncle used to do that. If our hands were on the table at all, like on the table, he would come over and just like nail our hands. Like like uh, like a dinner or something? Dinner or, yeah, just like his his role was like, don't have your hands on the table. Just It was impolite to have your hands on the table. So if he saw, if he caught us with our hands on the table and he's walking by, he would give us a nice like pound on the on the on the table and, and like get our hands so we, we didn't like, put our hands on the table i feel like that's not that's not allowed anymore <laughs> yeah but i i appreciate it now when i look back the um but the, i think that uh i think that molina could be good for him but again i've said that in the past with other people and it just it's been temporary or it's i thought garrett cole would be good for him and apparently that didn't work because <laughs> garrett cole was just on another level and 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 obviously it it uh it wasn't you know it wasn't matched the the uh, the type of um, intensity or dedication or whatever, just the mindset. They couldn't get on the same page for whatever reason. So I don't know, man. Well, like l- I just don't l- want to make moves this, to, to coddle towards him to to try to bring out that talent anymore. It's on him. He's got to do it himself. What capacity would Yadier Molina be signed for, though? What what amount of catching time would he be looking for? Do you think? Is it a 50-50 type thing? Is it a 60-40 thing where, I, yeah, I'm technically the backup by playing time, but I'm I'm right there almost neck and neck with with as, as far as playing time goes. Yadier Molina, like, I don't know. That's just too big of a name to bring in as a backup catcher. First of all, I think he should be a Cardinal for life. I think he's one of those guys. Like, Jeter needed to be a Yankee for life. Yadier needs to be a Cardinal for life. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people thought that Pujols was going to be that guy, but Yachty should be. I mean, he's at the end of his career at this point, not looking for a big contract, just still playing. I could see him staying there and and, and doing that. I don't know what that means to him, but um, yeah, I think that at this point, when you have 38-year-old legs and you're catching, you want an opportunity to win if that's if that's what you're being motivated. It depends what is what's motivating him at this point in his career. Does he want to stay with the Cardinals, see that thing through? Does he want to you know, go after a title? This and and the playing time isn't as much of a thing. Maybe he wants less playing time and to not be the guy. It, it just depends on what his motivations are. I think at this point, but um, he's a Hall of Famer. He's going to be a he, Hall of Famer. Yes, when his career is over. Yes, whether he retires today. That or doesn't mean he's a Hall of year. Famer today. Meaning, like the play of it. I mean, it's 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 misleading to say that sometimes because Yadier Molina, his career, he's a Hall of Famer, but he's a 38 year old catcher right now who's no, no, not no, who's a shell of himself. Is, what does he need to accomplish? He's he's already put up a career good enough to get into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. He's won World Series titles. Mm-hmm. So what else does he need to accomplish? I mean, you could, it's like it's like Brady. You wanted to do it somewhere else. Maybe he wants to do it somewhere else. Maybe he wants to go to a different place. And, but and it's see not that like, it. but, a, but a backup catcher or a 50-50 time split catcher is not the same as a starting quarterback I mean, doing it, it somewhere point, else. Fair point. Fine. But <laughs> but at the same time, it's like maybe he just wants to change the scenery. Maybe he just wants another challenge in his career. Maybe he's not maybe ready to go. Maybe he sees Jose's World Series ring with the Yankees and he's jealous of it. That that could be a kid. Maybe Jose, maybe Jose is is saying, hey, it's great to be in the Bronx. You should go there. Maybe there's some motivations there. Are you but ready? At the end of the day, I, I will not say no to a Molina brother. I think the Molina brothers, if you what have a Molina Benji? brother- is Benji still out there? Benji could manage. Benji, bring Benji in as a bench coach. Let's bring the brothers Molina in and see what happens. 
I think it's it's not a bad it's not a bad thing. I I don't want to overpay an aging catcher by any means, but when you look at what our catching situation is right now, you're either going to go out and get a guy that's a little bit younger and proven, or you're going to ride the 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 guy that has all the potential in the world that just has fallen off the train for a while, or you're you're going to be relying on um, a guy like Higgy, who I don't think many people really believe that he's a starting catcher uh, for for this team. He's a good backup, I guess, but, but he's, he's not Garrett a guy Cole's that- personal catcher. So you're ready for this this narrative when if the Yankees sign Yadier Molina and then they they let they release or trade or or send Higgy back to the minors I guess at this point he spent enough time in the majors where I don't think he has options anymore so they would have to release him correct so it would be Gary Sanchez and Yadier Molina people are going to be all upset because Garrett Cole doesn't have his personal catcher I think Garrett Cole would be just fine with Yadier Molina as his catcher He'd have a you Hall of think Fame. Think so? He'd be trading. You would think so? He'd be trading for a Hall of his Fame. Per, catcher. No, but he'd be trading his personal, his his uh, his childhood catcher. Do you think it's that's as much why about him that? and Higgy had such nah. a good rapport? They were they remember their time as Utes, Scott, the, as Utes, Utes, as two Utes thrown in the sandlot. They the in Southern California in their probably million dollar facilities. We all know. We all know the real reason here. Higgy was just the other guy. He's a jag, man. It, 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 the problem the problem was with the other guy. The other guy just wasn't enough to snuff for what for what uh, Cole wanted to do. You bring in uh, Yadier Molina. Is that going to change though? Oh, you're, Gary goddamn, oh, you're goddamn is, right. No, no. Then no, Yadier Molina is catching him. You, you're you're being received now by a, a Hall of Fame catcher who still can play defensively. What about 2022? We'll worry about that in 2022. So there are there are also some Gary Sanchez trade rumors and some Gary Sanchez non-tender rumors, which I don't see a situation where they don't tender him arbitration. That would be that would be shocking to me. That would be stupid for the Yankees to, to for the stu- to yes that. for the Yankees. It's it's still it's still a bargain. It's still a value, especially when you look at um, you know what could be. I mean, I, I I hate thinking about that, but when you look at the money and you're looking at value, you got to consider that. You, right. you absolutely tender. You, there's, that's to me not even in the conversation. Yeah, I don't know why it's being talked about. I, I, I think um, I forget what outlet wrote about it. Giving they just basically threw it up there again. I hate that this happens so often. And, well, because it and is, Yankees it is fans an option. fall for it. It is an option, but it's an option for anyone. They could non-tender Aaron Judge too. Right, they could. <laughs> it's an option, but they're not going to do it. So, at the end of the day, like it, it, it makes a lot of sense to have him here. Um, it, the value of trading him is going to be extremely diminished. You're not going to get anything for him close to what you thought you were going to get a couple of years ago, obviously. So I, I still, I, you know, we, we, were, we were laying this out earlier when we were talking about GMs. The value for Gary Sanchez still to the Yankees is, is, is on this team, still. Hey guys, 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be more efficient, which means every single hire is critical and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the right person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only got to pay 
for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that you can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates you will see and fast. Try Indeed without free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. And you know what? I received an email from BetOnline about MLB futures and props, and there's some interesting things in here. For example... Which team will Francisco Lindor be traded to? The Mets are have the best odds at nine to four, but the Yankees three to one, right there behind the Mets. I you know I know there's a lot of rumors out there about Lindor, but that's that's pretty interesting. Some other some other ones that I thought were were good. Where will Didi Gregorius sign next? The Reds are leading there. The Yankees are at fifteen to four. How about our boy DJ Lemayhew? Now this is quick caveat. It's where will he sign next. So if he signs with the Yankees, that technically doesn't count in these odds. The Blue Jays, though, are leading 5-2. to two. I know there's also some uh, some rumors about Yadier Molina. Yankees 2-1 to one on where Yadier Molina will sign next. And one more for you, Trevor Bauer. Could the Yankees possibly be signing him? They're at 6-1. to one. The Angels are leading 3-1 to one to sign Bauer. Padres close second, 4-1. to one. So head to bet online today. You can wager on some of those I just mentioned or any of the NFL props and, and odds they've got going on. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses as well. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. A couple other around-the-league notes before we get to a mailbag question, which uh, I think many people will enjoy. I spent a good amount of time researching it. Yeah, you really nerd, so, out. You really nerd out on that one. So what do you think of Rob Manfred saying, quote, I wouldn't say a neutral site World Series completely off the table. He said this on November 2nd. It's from a while ago, so people have probably already heard this quote, thought about this quote. We haven't had a chance to talk about it yet, though. Is, is he referring to just in general for moving forward like a Super Bowl? Yeah. Making World Series week in Miami. World Series week in Texas. World Series week in wherever. Yeah. In a dome or warm weather somewhere, obviously. So you don't deal with weather. Right. San Diego. Yankees versus uh, Yankees versus Dodgers in, in coming to you live from San Diego, California. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> to say the least. So it's it's not the same when you obviously for a Super Bowl one there it's one game. There's the the, the fans are not in that game at that game. The, the actual fans of the team. Yeah, there are some, but there that's an insanely hard ticket to get. It's all corporate. It's it just it diminishes the the experience of of uh, the game for the passionate fans. Right? They don't get the opportunity to go to that game. 
It will get too expensive. It's just not, it's not suited for that. Travel, all of these things. You're, you're, you're taking away the, the lifeline, the, the, the freaking backbone, the blood of, of your friend, of your fan base by removing it from that city. Like this year, part of the year of the reason why this year to me was just not as much fun and, and just a shell of a season was because we couldn't go to the games. The fans Mm -hmm. weren't in the stands. They couldn't play at home in front of their own fans. Like that's a big deal as a fan going to a game or at least having the opportunity to go to a game is a big deal. And if you're committed to 162 game season, that's a long ass time. You better goddamn well be rewarded for having a playoff game in your building. If you got to go this somewhere be, or a World Series game, if you make it to that point, you you need to have that opportunity. A neutral site World Series, especially when it's a seven game series. So at a minimum, you get two get two home games, two road games, and then you're playing for essentially to have those final couple games at home. That's what you're playing for to have that advantage. Um, doing a neutral site World Series would further water down and neuter the sport. And I just think there's too much of that already. You're doing that by expanding the playoffs. You're doing that by by <laughs> a lot of other things that you've sort of taken the the essence of baseball out by turning it into like this algorithm where the computer says this is most likely to happen so we're going to do that no matter what it's just would be further going down this this vanilla road of suck of just controlled stuff yeah but the thing is is that you know when you're getting to the world series it's again it's different than other than football who who does the neutral site you're playing one game in each each place, but for for the uh, for baseball, you have to win long series at the ballparks. Like you can't do neutral site uh, throughout the entire playoffs. You you're, you're playing to 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 get those games at home because theoretically you have an advantage in that spot. Like it's part of the deal. It's part of the the prize at the end by playing this long grind of a season. Yeah, it just doesn't and, make any and, and sense. MLB's argument would be, well, look at this year's playoffs. We didn't have to worry about weather. We didn't have to worry about outside factors and all that stuff. But I don't know, it, it would really ratings were down big time, and I think a lot of that be, was because the fans lost interest because they weren't engaged as much into uh, how were they were you know the, the teams were playing. They can't go to the games. It's not in the city. It's just it's a different it's a different feeling. It's just, it's just it it makes it different. I, you know, it's like the eye test. I just, I just know that it's different. That's all. I just know that it's Definitely. different, and I just, and, I, and it feels different. And I, and I, I guarantee the majority of the fan base would agree with that. It just feels different, and that's, and that's a big deal. Definitely. Um, it, at this point, let's just make the All Star Game count for for World Series home field advantage. At that point, yeah. <laughs> Wherever, whoever wins, I mean, that's the All Star Game is a great example. That's at a, that's at a neutral site. Okay. That's right. fine. Well, Let's just it's also it an exhibition. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but but you know, like you have your you have your day of of Super Bowl day. You're, you do some stuff around it. They're still doing that. It's, NFL doesn't do that. They have the the Pro Bowl, but it's not like a big event. I don't even right. know if they, anybody watches that anymore. Does the Pro Bowl still happen? I think it's in Miami now. I have not watched the Pro Bowl in forever because it's a stupid game. It's not fun to watch. It's gun. I know they announce Pro Bowlers, but gun to my head, if they still play the Pro Bowl, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they do, and I'm pretty sure it's in Miami now. I don't think it's in not Hawaii. Anymore. I don't think it's in Hawaii anymore. The whole reason it was maybe in Miami it's because players like getting a free trip to Hawaii. Right. I, maybe it might move around. I don't even know. I've stopped paying attention to the Pro Bowl 
long ago. To me, it's um, like you just get anointed to the Pro Bowl. Like that's that's it. It's not the right, game. That's the thing. Matter. Guys back out of it. It's yeah, like once, once you've been once you've gone once, you're like, okay, been there, done that. I mean, that. playing I football at half speed is a sure way to get hurt. It's also it's like WWE. One, it's like the one sport specifically where when you watch them at half speed, you're like, oh no, this is not right. This does not work. Yeah, it looks, this looks like flag football. <laughs> Couple of uh, things about some GM news. So first of all, Jeff Lunau is suing the <laughs> the Astros for breach of contract, claiming the 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 lawsuit claims the Astros owner Jim Crane and Commissioner Rob Manfred negotiated the penalties and set up Leno to be the scapegoat in the whole situation. And this came down after Alex Cora and AJ Hinch immediately got jobs again. So now Leno is probably butthurt saying, well, I'm not going to be able to get a job again. You guys made me out to be the bad guy here, when in reality, it was all of us together who were the bad guy. Or maybe Leno is saying, no, nope, I was just an innocent bystander. I was just trying to put the best players on the team to win. I had nothing to do with the spreadsheet and the nerds and the buzzers and the cameras and all that kind of chicanery. Yeah, do you think that it's it's also like these guys got rewarded for being in there and I'm still sitting here, so therefore it's out and I waited for this because I knew this was going to happen. Do you think he waited for it? The, the, waited um, to file the suit? Yeah, before, like he did it after Hinch got signed. I wonder, after Hinch I, got I wonder signed if there was Cora, like a... And after Cora, I think, came back, right? Yeah, but I, I'm wondering if Lynn, I was like, you know, sending... Little, little text message saying like, okay, I'll do it after you get signed. I won't do it before. I'm curious. Oh I'm no! Cu- this, cu- like, are you makes... che- when you cheat? Are you are you like brothers for life? Are you cheating brothers for life? Is that or do no, you, do now, you stab each now other? Now I think Lunau's pissed. I, I think he filed this because maybe he didn't expect Hinch to get a job so easily, and now he's like, oh, so Hinch kind of got off the hook, but I'm not off the hook. Oh no! I think when he got turned down and was not getting the jobs that he thought he was going to, that's when he had it ready to go, prepped, teed up, and and just like, okay, hit hit send, let's go. When he Who realized that think... MLB was not going to hire him, he's like, let's go after MLB. Who's the first non-player you think of when you think of the Astros cheating scandal? The first non. The first non-player person. AJ Hinch. The first person. AJ Hinch. Yeah, probably that stupid interview he did with Tom Verducci. No, even before that, all the smugness uh, from the post-game interviews that that you look back and watch him about the clapping and about the um, the whistling and like yeah, if if we knew it was going <laughs> to piss off the Yankees, <laughs> we would have done it. <laughs> we would have practiced that whistling. <laughs> oh my yeah, god, I'm awful! Punch him who's the, the first? Who's the first player you think of? <laughs> the first, the first player I think of is um, is Alex Bregman. Yeah, even though he's, even though Correa has been probably the biggest douche about it. He has. He's been the most outspoken douchery. Like Bregman hasn't said anything about it. He said some things early, I think. But you're right, Correa. Yeah, but he's it. not still going on about it like Correa. Like, oh, like Correa. This Correa whole class was like, right? At least Bregman has shut up. Yeah, for whatever reason, though, I still think Bregman. It's probably because every time he'd take a walk, he would look into the dugout and start doing cartwheels like he was giving. Yeah, him no, the no, I, I didn't like Bregman. I, Bregman got me, Bregman got to the point where. Like the Astros were at a point, even without this, where I started really just disliking them. You know, it was getting to a point where like that rivalry because was they, good. Right. Because they, they were beating, beating you and, and they were pissing good. me off. Yeah. And right. they were smug. And and that pisses me off. And that's fine. Like I like I like feeling that because it's it's good hatred. It it's good for fandom. It's good for sports. When you find out they're cheating and they're doing all these things it makes it di- very different and and uh makes you like loathe them. <laughs> like loathe. But um yeah, Bregman's the first guy I think of. Correa is just an asshole. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. 
uh, Theo Epstein stepped down from the Cubs. He's going to take some time off from being an executive in baseball. He might be done as a general manager. I mean, he's pretty much accomplished everything you could possibly accomplish as a general manager. He ended the two biggest curses in the sport. Man, I see him going into the into Queens. I see it. But I don't think he can do it this year. Is there a contra- contractual reason that he can't? I believe so. I believe I read that. So I believe he has to take a year off. Well, I mean, Sandy, Al- Sandy Alderson will just get fired again. <laughs> I feel no, like he's but, been hired and, re- and, and fired like eight times. No, like the Theo, I don't think Theo can, because Theo didn't get fired. He stepped down. Right. I'm saying he'll wait. Sandy will get fired. Theo will go back in next year. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. You think he's going to the Mets? Feels like a Mets move. Maybe just because he looks like. Do you Brody. think he will be? Do you think he will be the general manager though, or do you think it'll be more of like baseball operations, president baseball of, pre- president, yeah. president sort of thing, and then I'll have a GM under him? Because I feel like he's done as the general manager. I he's could see done that with yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I could see him definitely moving into a, a bigger role. Yeah. Does it? Would you? Would you be surprised if he went back to the Red Sox? Yes, I'd be very surprised. His relationship in Boston did not end well. If there's new ownership, then maybe I wouldn't be surprised. But under the John Henry ownership, it did not end well there for him. I mean, there's not there's not new ownership, right? <laughs> and there- well, but when when the Reds when the John Henry bought the team, I believe it was in 2002, he said, "We only want to own the team for about 20 years." Here's a, here's an interesting little wrinkle that I was thinking of. So, uh, one. When when uh, last Thursday, when I was trying to get away from everything, when when Kemp was uh, was was back with his doc squad, I came back to the apartment and we were. Uh, I just put on the TV. Bevan took a uh, just like faded off, and I started watching Moneyball with mm. the guy that I I just felt like watching it again. I don't know. Maybe I was just you like, wanted to learn a little bit about your boy Billy B. No, I mean, I've seen it multiple times. I just wanted to. Maybe I just wanted to like you know find some more ammunition to hate him more and just like pick at him because he's a little bitch. Because I still think that I still think he's a little bitch, but. He's going back to the Red Sox now, right? As like a well, he was never with the Red Sox, Billy B. He was never he was never with the Red Sox. He was he was offered the contract with the Red Sox. Yes, turned it down. He was offered the GM job for the Red Sox. He turned it down to right. stay in Oakland. Uh, but he's not. A, he's supposedly not going to be involved in baseball with with okay. the the. I, I I'm with you, but but here's but, but here's my point. There, but there what's are his ties. name? Heim, Heim Bloom is the general manager of the Red Sox. But there are connections with Theo and 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 the way that they think and the way that they built their teams in 2004. Because that was 2003 that he turned it down, right? So 2004 when- It uh, was after the 2002 season 2002, he turned yeah. it down. So Theo gets in there, kind of does a little money ball thing with some of the players that they got. Definitely, definitely yeah, used some of that- Spent uh, a lot more money though. Yeah, but they definitely used some of that mindset. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, a bit of a, a, a Billy Bean and Theo uh, teaming up and doing something. Feel, feels, do you th- feels right. Do you think Theo's probably, I don't know what adjective to use. Is he the most famous baseball general manager? Is he the most accomplished? Is he the most accomplished? Yeah. Oh, man. Possibly. I mean, he ended the Red Sox drought and he ended the Cubs drought. I I don't know what else you could possibly have on your resume. Yeah, no, you're probably right. I I'd, I'd say that I'd argue that he's not the most famous though. I'd argue that that Billy Bean might be the most famous. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. Yeah, that's that's funny. Uh, and he has and Brad, yeah, he's more... Brad Pitt to thank thank for that. God, God. That just must inflate his ego even more. You have a movie made about you, and <laughs> it's Brad freaking Pitt. That doesn't like, doesn't that go against the complete Moneyball 
everything against Moneyball. You you literally like, got in the best the like like the, the the heartthrob of the world. The guy that's been he's like the new Robert Redford. You know he's just he was on that path for a long time. Oh man, doesn't that go against everything that Moneyball is about? Seemingly would yes. And some more final G, bit of GM news. So the Marlins hired Kim Ng, who is the first female and Asian general manager in baseball history. Huge it's, deal. Uh, this is, this is kind of this deal. is kind of burying the lead, to be honest. No, it's a massive deal, uh, and it's it's massive because it, it, it's massive because it it takes the first. Like, I wonder if we'll see more females start to get into positions like this because it takes one. And then that opens the door. Well, she's been on the she's been right there for a long time. Yes, yeah, I mean, she was. She's worked for the Dodgers. She's worked for the Yankees. She has worked her way up. This is not the she, Marlins. But she going also worked out. her way up. Like you're, she was in a position where you would think that she would be ready for the the GM job like ten years ago. So she's she's been on the cusp for a very long time. When she was with the Yankees, she was working right under Brian Cashman for a long time. Mm-hmm. And Cashman side note, she went a... she went to my high school, Ridgewood High School. A shout, um, but. She's she's been in baseball for a very long time. So she graduated Cashman high school released, like in '86. So right, your year, right? That's funny. It's good. <laughs> uh, so she Cashman released a really nice statement about all the work that she did with the Yankees organization. But uh, yeah, she worked her way up, and it's not like so. Sometimes you'll see organizations pluck guys out of other other. Um, other industries, right? Like he's a brilliant statistician or he's a brilliant, you know, consultant or something. And then they'll bring them into the baseball world for a couple of years. And then they'll get like put up to like Theo Epstein is a good example. Wasn't Theo Epstein like a lawyer or something before he took the GM job? Like he was not, he didn't work his way up through baseball. Theo didn't. Um, I thought he, I believe he, yeah, he went to like MIT or something or Yale was a lawyer and then like worked at some corporate at some corporation for a few years and then went into baseball because he's like a super nerd. Yeah. He's one of those prodigy guys that, that people just wanted to, um, he figured out the formula. He, he was, he was too smart for his own good. So they wanted to bring, they wanted to bring the brains in. So, so Kim, on the other hand, she, she's like a, she's like a baseball, she's a baseball mind. She also went to Harvard. She's also insanely smart too. Well, yeah, she's obviously smart. You can't be dumb and be a general manager. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm looking up to see what he was. I mean, yeah, because when he was hired, he was 28 years old. Right. But I believe for a couple years before the GM job, he didn't work in baseball. He worked in some corporation as like their, I want to say lawyer, but like could have been just like super nerd viceroy of operations or something. Um, yeah, I'm reading up to it now. So I'll, I'll tell you in a second where he was exactly. He, uh, but yeah, uh, I'll get I'll get back to you. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll I'll get right back to you. So uh, that's pretty cool. That um, first of all, cool that it was the Marlins. Derek Jeter making that decision. Yeah, because she. Um, I mean, they they worked together. Jeter knew her from the Yankees. I mean, Jeter's plucking everybody from the Yankees. But I, yeah. that's 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 what you do. You, you bring in people that you know and trust. And clearly, she is is that person for him. I mean, she's she's definitely got the. Um, Jeter trusts her big time, and I think that's a lot of, and she knows the Yankee way. She knows how how, how they were built um, under Cashman, under Stick Michael, under. So I, I guarantee she's. You look at that tree, that Stick Michael tree, man. It's getting bigger now. That Stick Michael tree is getting getting pretty, 
pretty pretty good with with uh, GMs underneath him. Everyone was shitting all over Jeter for the job he did when he took over the Marlins, but they actually made the playoffs this year, and it looks like they're doing some some right things now. He hasn't been there that long. Well, no, it always looks really bad. You have to purge before you can do anything good, right? And I think that's what that's what that was. There was a purge. Yeah, but you know how and society he said works. That. Now you have to make a decision immediately. You have to you have to you have to make a gut reaction to what you see in front of you, good or bad. You suck, you're good. That's the only there's only two options. You can either suck or you can be good. Um, so that's how we treat things. Just so you know that Epstein was with the Padres, director of before player, the Red Sox player development. Yeah, so you're, you're pretty uh, you're kind of wrong, wrong, pretty wrong actually. While he, while he was working for the Padres, he also studied at the University of San Diego Law and got his his um, his JD. So he became a lawyer while he was working there, and then how long was he with the Padres for though? I don't have it to, couldn't have been long. Yeah, it wasn't lo- that long. Uh, but he was, yeah, he was doing a lot of stuff with the podcast. So what I'm saying is- He even got his, all the way up to the director of baseball operations. And then uh, leaving the Padres, uh, leaving the Padres position, I'm sorry, after leaving the position as the Padres manager, Lucchino uh, became president and chief Larry Lucchino became president over. GM of, that's how, that was the connection. Yes. But so, but, but Theo, like you said, he was the general manager of the Red Sox at 28. Right. That's young as shit. Extremely young, the youngest. Yeah, so, so it's yeah. not like he worked his way up. I mean, no, yeah, 20, but I, mean, I, I guarantee he knew somebody to get him the original job, and then and then he was there for enough time where he showed, you know, kind of the the baseball mind that that goes along with the other stuff, and it worked. Lucino obviously recognized talent at a young age. Like, good for him. All right. So before we get to the mailbag question, I want to do a quick Hall of Fame talk. So the ballot came out. Nick Swisher is big time excited that he big made the ballot. It, it, it is an honor. It is an honor to even get on the ballot because not everyone gets on the ballot. You have to be decent enough to get on the ballot. You don't he's, see people getting pumped up about the ballot as much as Nick well, Swisher. But Nick Swisher no, knows he's only getting, going to be on the ballot one year. He's also, not going to get any votes. You also <laughs> so, don't see people getting pumped up like Nick Swisher, period. So did you like how he thanked his parents? Like he almost gave an acceptance, like a Hall of Fame acceptance yeah. speech. Because that, that, this is his Hall of Fame. This is his Hall of Fame yeah. moment. What I want to do, though, is I want to go down the list of people and you give me a gut reaction, yay or nay, if they're Hall of Fame. All right. Are we doing? Like, and I'll tell you. Are we doing huh? stero- steroid guys, too? It's because it's, it's the same. Whatever go- you want, it's whatever you want. All right, it's complicated though, so it's all right. I'll, 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 and I'll tell you if I disagree. All right, I'll stop if I disagree. Bobby Abreu, no. Barry Bonds, yes, but I need a conversation uh, with that. How do you even? How do you even hesitate? He's a hundred percent. He's a thousand percent. Yes. Uh, again, Mark there's Burley. just the asterisk, but yes. Uh, no. AJ Burnett, no. Roger Clemens, yes. So you didn't hesitate for Roger Clemens, well, but you hesitate for no, Barry I, Bonds? No, I didn't hesitate because I didn't feel like doing that whole song and dance again. <laughs> There's Michael an asterisk with Clemens too, clearly. Kadire, no. Dan Heron. No. Latroy Hawkins. No. Todd Helton. Eh. I, I, I'd have to look. He's one of the ones that's like... So his numbers are very impressive, but I just... When I think Todd of, when Helton, I think of no Todd Helton, I think of one of the best hitters in his, in his, um, in his era. Yeah, I just also think just product of Coors Field and probably the PED era. And you can't if you're say, not going to be, but you can't. No, but if that. you're not going to be, if but but if you're Todd Helton, you're just another guy in the PED era. That's different than if you're Barry Bonds. He wasn't just another guy though. He was phenomenal. All right, I, I got no time for Todd Helton in the Hall of Fame. Tim Hudson, no. Mm, I might disagree with you there. Tim Hudson had a really long and solid career, uh, but probably no. Tory Hunter, no. 
Andrew Jones. No. I'd have to look at his numbers. I feel like he's close to 500 home runs. Does, does that matter? Like, anymore? I'm just... Jeff Ken. I mean, if you held a gun to my head, I'd say no. Very good player. No. I might have to go yes on that one. Yeah. Andy Pettit. Uh, unfortunately, no. Unfortunately, no. Erasmus Ramirez. Aramis Ramirez. Aramis Ramirez. <laughs> no. Manny Ramirez. Yes. Yes. Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland and Todd Helton are like right there. I have to I have to look at some numbers. Scott Rowland's a better player, I think. Third base. Uh, to, more Scott, important if, if, I, if I were to... If you're picking between Todd Helton and Scott Rowland, who are you going with? Todd Helton. Ooh, I'm going Scott Rowland. I think Todd, Todd, I bet Todd Helton has better offensive numbers. Kurt Schilling. Yeah, but who's the better player? I'm just... They're they're different players. I don't know what you want me to tell you. That. Kurt Schilling, uh, he's a dick, but yes. <laughs> I agree. Gary Sheffield. No. Mm. Again, because he's very a good player, but no. I don't think he's 500 home runs. He played on like almost every team. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sammy Sosa. No. He's a yes for me. Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa was a bad baseball player before he juiced his face it's, off. Part of it is also about what impact did you have on the sport of baseball? That Sammy is Sosa not had a gigantic. It. it should be a part but of it. But it's not. I think it is a part of it. No, it's not. Yeah, I think you it can, is. Okay, I, I think could you argue can take that Barry into Bonds consideration. Had the biggest impact on baseball. Yes, and he's a uh, he's in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. But he's not. Barry Bonds That's needs to be in the Hall of Fame. This is this is who I'm voting for. I'm voting for Sammy. You're Sosa. asking me who I'm voting for. I yes, didn't I know, ask you who said, you were voting for. No, no, I told you if I was going to disagree with you, I disagree with you. Okay. Nick Swisher, <laughs> the the Shit. Hall of Fame of of of, uh, of excitement. Hell yeah, let's go. No, he's not a Hall of Famer. Shane Victorino, no. Omar Vizquel, I think Omar Vizquel's uh, defensive numbers put him in because of Ozzy Smith. I think mm. he's close. I don't think so. Billy Wagner. If I'm being honest, I thought Billy Wagner got in. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I don't think Billy Wagner should get in. You know he's really right-handed? Yeah, I did know that. Barry Zito. I bet Barry Zito's numbers are... Because he flashed early. His peak was excellent, his, but I don't his think peak he was sustained awesome. it. He's a, and he's I don't a think good he guitar sustained player. it. But that didn't help mm. Bernie, so it shouldn't help Zito. No. <laughs> All right, let's get to the mailbag questions. If you guys want to submit mailbag questions, you can do so at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. Yes, Scott. So who did we disagree on? We We disagreed on Tim Hudson, like... Do you really think Tim Hudson's gonna be is a Hall of Famer? No, I'd have to look at it closer. Like there's I'd have to look at him closer, Andrew Jones closer. Hudson definitely played a lot longer than people remember, I think, because he did have a good uh run with the Braves as well. He he played for a lot longer than I think people would if, if you put if you ask He people, played like a decade in Atlanta and he always put up solid numbers. Right, but I, I think that that went under the radar a little bit. Okay. For the but, casual baseball fan. Yeah, for the casual baseball fan, and I'm not saying he's like a oh Needs to be, but that goes into the longevity thing that I I just don't like. I don't like necessarily the longevity thing unless you're like insanely, in, insanely steady throughout that entire time and and had some very very good peak years, which so, which you could probably argue that he did. I'd have to look at his numbers, but my gut is, and when we've always said like Hall of Fame is is almost pretty usually cut and dry with like a gut, and I feel like I've been, <laughs> I have been. Uh, ruined a little bit because of all of the talk 
and social media and stuff like that, it's in, it's influenced my subconscious, unfortunately. So it's not as as clear as black and white as it used to be for me. Um, but it's pretty close, I'd say. And for me, he's like almost an immediate no for whatever reason. Where did he pitch longer, Atlanta or, or Oakland? This feels like a trick question. Atlanta. He, yeah. <laughs> and he pitched over 3,000 innings, has a 3.49 ERA, 3.78 FIP, 48.9 collective war. He pitched over 200 innings, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. How many wins? I mean, it's how, not, how many wins does he have? Because that 222. Yeah. That's a good amount. I think, how many wins did uh, Mussina have? I don't know, two fifty. It wasn't three hundred. It was under three hundred. I, I think that Mussina is going to open the door for a lot of guys because yeah, of, and Mike, because of and those, Mike those numbers are starting better, to get deter, you know, knocked down. Mike Messina was probably was definitely a better pitcher than Tim Hudson was. Um, and Messina, 270, 270 wins for Mike Messina. I, I hate talking about wins. I know, but it, it matters when you're talking about Hall of Fame voting because that's what they, they do consider it. So whether it... Yeah, but voters are going to stop considering it because like the voters are becoming younger and younger. That's so true. the wins thing is going to... like Yeah, the old guys are still going to consider it, but they're going to start looking at things like, how did you do compared to your peers? What are your ERA plus and minus stats? What are, What is your FIP stats? What is your war totals? What are your strikeout totals? Like all that kind of stuff. Tim Hudson is a... a is a Craig Biggio Hall of Famer. Oh, Craig Biggio actually, though, is better. I mean, he put up, he collected more numbers than Tim Hudson did. He collected 3,000 hits. That's. I'm just saying that if he, if he played, if he had a shorter career, it, he, he would not be a, he would not be a Hall of Famer, right? If he, he played sure. five years You could say that about many people. Well, no, but he, the reason I think he's in there is because he played. You're as right. Long as you're he right. Did. And I'd say, and I'd argue the same thing with Tim Hudson if you were going to make this argument. But longevity is part I, of. I understand like, that. I, I get it. It's part of the equation. I do. I, and I think some of the numbers that Tim Hudson put up would probably surprise me if I looked at his career stats. Yeah, there's guys who peak. There's guys who can go long, and then you get the peak and the long guys, and those are your true first ballot, no doubt about it, Hall of Famers. There's not many of them. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubters on here, and then there's like fringe guys that I that I could that I would have to look at, and the no doubters to me are are pretty clear. Steroids, Bonds, steroids aside. Bonds Clemens are the two absolute no doubters. Bonds Clemens, yeah. Um, looking, I, and I think Manny Ramirez is a no doubter. Oh, Manny Ramirez is a no doubter as well too. Yes, he was. He was. I actually for, think Kurt Schilling is a no doubter too. To be honest, Manny Ramirez is uh, this. He's maybe the second best. Would you say Manny Ramirez is the second best offensive player of the last thirty years behind Barry Bonds? He's the best right-handed hitter. Yeah, but what does that mean? It I mean, Albert something. Pujols means, is also an awesome right-handed hitter. Like, yeah, but Manny. Okay, so there's like, he's not the second best. Manny Ramirez is not the second best. Now I'm thinking about guys like, like Albert Pujols, like Alex Rodriguez, like, um, yeah. Then maybe it's Manny. <laughs> it's right there. It's close, man. Like the, those guys are all up there. Manny was Manny was the one guy that I feared the most of anybody. It was Manny Ramirez. I mean, granted, I granted, we didn't. I play hated Bonds David Ortiz. I didn't hate Manny Ramirez. I, I, I agree with that. I didn't. I hated Ortiz too, probably because again, this is similar to the Bregman thing. Like what you when you're beating us and you're doing it, and then you, I don't know. They're like Manny was just like a. He was just like an idiot. He was an idiot. He was one of the idiots, but he was he was the reason they were called idiots. It was he was such a moron. Like the, he would 
he was just like a, a an everyday guy. He was the gronk of that baseball team. And it's, it's like, it's really hard to hate that guy because he's so just like, he's a mimbo. You know, he, he goes through it. So, man. All right, the mailbag question. This one's from Will. Greetings, Andrew and Scott. As a relative newcomer to baseball, I find one of the sport's most appealing characteristics to be that teams cannot simply buy success. For example, I think I heard you say on the show that the the Rays' entire payroll in 2020 was less than the Aroldis Chapman contract. I happen to believe this is good for the sport. You cannot just throw money at the problem, and fluidity among the elite teams is more entertaining than monolithic repeat winners. Oh, boy. How, However... The owners may see things differently. The Steinbrenner's return on investment, one World Series in 20 years, is distinctly underwhelming when you consider the capital invested. So my question is this. Which teams can boast the best and worst ROI over the last 10 years? I would define ROI as cumulative 10-year payroll divided by World Series appearances. But there's there are probably other measures which may be a better reflection of the ROI. For example, if you wanted to get nerdy, similar to slugging percentage, you could perhaps do cumulative 10-year payroll divided by worlds divided by wild card plus ALDS times two, ALCS times three, World Series times four, championship times five. Thank you. So do you know who Will is? Do Will's I, the C, do Will's I, the CEO of my company. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. That's funny. Oh, no, I know why. So he is uh, technically my boss, which is why I put so much effort into this question. <laughs> That's great. Well, first of all, I think that when you start looking at this stuff, you should make that, the, you made a spreadsheet, of course. Uh-huh. Um, you should make that public. I do. I think you should share the spreadsheet out so people can look at it. We can make it okay. like uh, a, a read-only type thing so people can look at it. Because I think it's it's really interesting in the sense of how you can look at this data. And I think that it's interesting when you, when you look at, go through the, go through result, the yeah. results. I don't so want to take, me, let I'm me not trying tell to, you not, what I, I don't want to steal your thunder here. I'll tell you what I did. And, and first of all, I just want to also explain. So Will is from the UK and he is a Mets fan, unfortunately. Uh, but, but he, it's, he says he's a newcomer to baseball. He actually knows a lot more about baseball than he gives himself credit for. But we have these sort of conversations and, he, and he'll bring up these questions from time to time. He knows I'm a huge baseball fan. There's another guy in my company that named Dylan. We, we're constantly talking about Yankees, Mets, and just baseball in general. And he brought up this, this question and I had my initial thoughts. I was like, you know, initially I was like, well, obviously the Rays are going to be at the top of this because they've had playoff success and they're always at the bottom of the payroll. Conversely, you got a team like the Angels who spend a ton of money and they never make the playoffs. So I was curious to see when the numbers, you know, actually you actually dive into the numbers, what happens? And what I did was I actually went back to 2010. Um, So it's 11 years of total payroll. And then I basically divided it by if you if you won a World Series, how much did you pay for that World Series in total payroll? How much did you pay for a pennant in total payroll? How much did you pay for a a, a playoff series win in payroll, a regular season win in payroll, a playoff appearance in payroll, et cetera, et cetera? Um, and I also got some league averages for this as well. Number of che- I love the the my favorite column is the number of cheating scandals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, the Red Sox paid more for their cheating scandal than the Astros did. <laughs> because of the success. <laughs> no, because they paid more in total payroll since 2010. Right. Since 2010, the Yankees have paid $2 billion, $2.072 billion in payroll. They're the first, an average payroll of $188.4 million. That is 43% more than the league average payroll over that time. 
And the Dodgers were second, Red Sox third, Giants fourth. And then all the way at the bottom are the Tampa Bay Rays. Exactly league average is the Seattle Mariners, which I find perfectly ironic considering they're the only team to not make the playoffs over this time span. So the Mariners have spent exactly league average in payroll and they have never made the playoffs. It's, it's uh does not pay to the be worst average. place to be. The, the worst place to be in anything is in the middle, right? You do not want to be in the middle. So I'm a, I'm a middle child. <laughs> Unfortunately, the Yankees have not won a World Series, so they don't even show up here. But the average team has spent $1.165 billion in payroll for every World Series they win over the last 11 years. You understand that? I understand that. The Dodgers won World Series, cost them $1.92 billion in payroll since 2010. The Red Sox, $936 million. The Giants, because they've won three, only 510 million. The Royals, 900 million. The Astros, 900 million. It costs a lot to win the World Series, is basically what this data concludes. To make the pennant, on average, it costs $877 million. The Dodgers, though, they're below league average. So in this case, spending a lot of money gets you success. They're 36 below, 36% below the average. Can I, can I, uh, so far? Offer a suggestion so we can take this even further, the spreadsheet, because I feel like we could really go, we could go nuts even further with this. I, I'd like to see what revenue was uh, year after, maybe maybe year one, two, three of after winning a World Series, because now there's a a profit loss, not a loss, but a profit margin to look to see how much it actually was worth. So yes, there's a of value course. based and on this, the 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 payroll, but the the reason why the Yankees may put more money into it because they have um the value is is higher because their their net at the end of the day is is higher for revenue because of the market size as well whereas of if course. the Royals win a world series that net is not going to be close to as high as what the Yankees would make and it's also like the Dodgers are the perfect example that, for this because they really started spending at the beginning of the decade and it took them the entire decade to win a championship. I mean, so you could, theoretically, it shouldn't have. They were there. They they you know, they were a couple, there. A couple of bounces of the ball, and and this no, no, but, looks very different. But but they're the perfect example because you're like, well, they spent money, spent money, spent money, and it led up to the championship. Whereas in the Giants' case, they won their championships at the beginning of the decade. So really, they spent money before the decade to win those championships at the beginning part of the decade. So it's not a perfect analysis sure. be, by cutting it off in 2010 because the Giants won in 2010, but they spent a ton in 2009, 2008, 2007 in order to get themselves into those championship windows. You don't almost you'd almost have to do this over twenty to thirty years and look at the differences between them two, right? And, and you'd have to by, probably do a cutoff. Stands. You'd probably have to do a cutoff when free agency um, started. Yeah, in the seventies. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to, to continue to do that, though. I think it would be this this thing could uh, could grow for sure, and have we could have some fun with this. This is the, this is the type of nerd stuff that I kind of like. The um, so I yeah, let me go through some other interesting things. Go, that go I, to the that I found. I just because. Um, it's very nerdy to talk about, and I think sometimes it's hard to follow. But go to like the uh, the um, playoff value. To me, like that's the biggest yeah. thing is like getting into the playoffs, having playoff success. You're you're there to to, to um, Aaron Boone's point. We were so close. We were right yeah, there, yeah. right there. So let's see playoff what value. I I took what Will's idea was to sort of weight it like slugging percentage. So it's it's a simple formula where you do. Um, Wait, hold on. I got to find it. So you basically do 
five for winning a World Series, five points, four points for winning a pennant, three points for winning a division series, two points for winning a wild card round, one point for making the playoffs. And you do a weighted average of those things to come up with a total success value. So in the Yankees example, they have a total success value of 32. They didn't win a World Series. They didn't win a championship series. They won four division series over that time. They won six wild cards over that time. And they appeared in the playoffs eight times. That gives them a total value of 32. And when you divide that by their total payroll, you get $64.7 million. They spent $64.7 million to have success in the playoffs. That's actually below league average, a good amount below league average, 133% below league average. The average cost to have success in the playoffs is $151 million because there's so many teams out there spending in the middle of the pack and they don't win anything in the playoffs. So do you think that this playoff success cost is a good way to judge a general manager? It, it kind of matches up. It, you can look at the value based on the winning. I mean, this is a direct a direct correlation to the players that are on the field over over amount of time. Like you could if you if we put names next to this, that would be interesting because I think that you can yeah. actually get some tenure uh, some tenure information about how a GM did with correlated to how much money they spent. Because when you look at the Do- when you look at the Dodgers and you look at the, the Tampa Rays, they're very similar in yeah. the playoff success cost, but they're very different in the way that they got there. The Dodgers and Rays are the perfect example, not only because they just played in the World Series, but because they do things, they spend in opposite ways. The Dodgers spend at the top of the market. The Rays have spent the least amount in baseball, yet their playoff success cost is almost the same. Like you said, the Dodgers is $34 million and the Rays is $37 million. The, the Dodgers have had way more playoff success, but it's cost them the same amount to have that success. The Dodgers have gone to three World Series. They won World one World Series. They've won five division series. They've won eight wild card rounds, um, and they've made the playoffs eight times over that time. So they've had a ton of playoff success, but they've spent a ton of money. Whereas the Rays, they haven't won a World Series. They've only won one championship series, one division series. They've appeared in the playoff five times, but they have spent the least by far six hundred and sixty nine million dollars in total payroll, seventy six below the league average. You can get a lot of information, I think, based on that cost and to see how they got to that point. It's, it's, it is really an interesting metric, I think, when you're evaluating a team, a GM, how the system is working. And you can really take away the... I mean, I can look at that number and see the success in the playoffs too. And, and, and clearly, you can, you can identify that, oh, that team, that team's scouting department did a damn good job. Or that team's analytic department, however you're looking at it, did a damn good job because they did things a different way than paying for it. Um, whereas... The Dodgers, maybe there was a big mix. Maybe you're signing the big guys, but you're also making sure that the right people are there. Because over time, while they didn't win the World Series more than one time, the Dodgers have clearly had the most success of any team because they've been in an opportunity to win the World Series. Not just an opportunity to get to the World Series, not just so close. They were actually close. Like actually close. Mm -hmm. Not Aaron Boone close, but actually close to winning a World Series multiple times. So kind of uh, reverse engineering from from that dollar value to me, is super interesting. Yeah, the Cardinals have also had a ton of success. Their playoff cost value is $28 million. They've spent decent amount, but not not near the top, and they've had a lot of playoff value. At the end of the day, um, I bet you you go back and you look at some of these, these teams with this cost, and I don't know, it's not on here, but I bet if we put them uh, together, we would, and you... Um, 
and you kind of like laid them across like what their farm system ranking was over the over those 10 years, I bet that there would be a, a pretty direct correlation to the, yeah, the teams that are developing better than others are going to have more success. Yeah, really quickly, uh, the Mets are $112 million to have success in the playoffs. They haven't had much success and they usually spend a decent amount of money. Um, the Mariners have had not made the playoffs. The, the Angels have only made the playoffs uh, once and the White Sox have never won anything in the playoffs. So they their playoff success value is over a billion dollars. The point of this is to show there's... So, so Will said, you simply cannot throw money at the problem. And unfortunately, that's not true. You can throw many, money at the problem. You have to throw a ton of money at the problem, but that does solve things because the team... Well, you have to, but you have to do it in a way that makes sense too. You can't... What To his point, you can't just throw money and then assume it's going to work because they're high paid players. You need to make sure that they're, the, the players are uh, but, fitting in with the of team course. as well. Of but, course, but that's a big that goes deal without because, saying. But that's what the Dodgers did. The Dodgers... The Dodgers not only had a very good farm system and they developed players, but they complemented. That's how the Yankees won in the 90s. That, that's exactly what Stick Michael was doing. Stick Michael was developing yeah. players, but then adding the the money guys to complement them. So it's so not, yeah, if you're it's the Yankees, the Dodgers, because theoretically the, Yankees, the Angels threw money. The Angels, that's what, yeah, that's what they right. did. They just threw money and it didn't work. That's, that's the exception here. And that's really the one exception. If you look at the top 10 or right, the top, uh, top seven, Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox, Giants, Angels, Tigers, Cubs. All of those teams, except the Angels, have had success in the playoffs. You're saying the Tigers? What have the Tigers done? They under they Jim Leon, they were nasty. Yeah, they they didn't win a World Series, but they went to the World Series. They won the division series three times, and they made the playoffs four times. So they had some success in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The Giants won three World Series. The Red Sox won two World Series. The Cubs won a World Series and went to the playoffs a bunch of times. So that's one way to do it. Spend a ton of money smartly or don't spend any money and be really smart. Be the Tampa Bay Rays. At the end of the day, you gotta be smart. Yeah, the worst place to be is the middle. The Astros are kind of an outlier here because they spent absolutely no money in the first part of the decade and sucked. And then they've spent a lot of money in the last half of the decade and they've had success. They tore it down to build up the, the, the farm system. They got so many high draft picks. They, they cultivated that talent. They made the right moves in drafting who they did. They signed guys. So, I mean, they did a good they job. Lead, the they lead the playoff success value yeah. with $23 million. But they're a bunch of dirty ass cheaters, so we don't count them. Well, their cheating scandal cost them over a billion dollars. Good. <laughs> All right. I'm sure there's more we could talk about with this. I, I guess I will share the spreadsheet. Can I share it without having someone like hack into my life? I think so. I can't I'll guarantee have to figure that. out how to do that. <laughs> I cannot guarantee that. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Um, will, I'll, I'll send you the spreadsheet at least. All right. A- any last words, Scott? Uh, no, this is uh, uh, let's sign DJ LeMahieu. I'm going to say this every single time. Sign DJ LeMahieu. That's the only thing I want. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. 
and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.